Welcome to Read the Room, a podcast that's exploring the unique Australian ministry context. I'm joined by the pastor, right reverend, Michael Wardrop. Boom! My best friend, oh. apart from Jesus. And my husband and a number of other people, among my closest friends, but not nearly the tallest of them. Is this a glow down? This is whatever you want it to be. But the point is, is that we're here together and today we are talking to Pastor Josh Greenwood, who runs Influences Church Australia, um, while the Evanses are off in Atlanta doing Atlantan things. Mm. And uh, while the Atlantan things, things, it's hard to say. Like the lost city or? The lost city of Atlantis. Yes, they're mining for um, gold and riding on plesiosaurs (laughs) for Jesus. Everyone looks like Jason Momoa. Everyone. Mate, I'd go to that church. Anyway, so that's an so interesting one because, you know, while the cat's away, the mice will do whatever Josh Greenwood tells them to. That's right. Um, he's a wonderful man, if not particularly short, what he lacks you in stature. S- listen, listen, stop making fun of short people. Do you know I'll what never happened? stop. Do you know what happened? So Josh is short. I'm short. It's fine. My daughter is short. She did a talk today. I haven't got home to see her yet, but she did a talk today to get onto SRC or student leadership or whatever they call it at their school. And um, one of the things she said was, I want to prove to people that just because I'm short, I can still be a leader. It's a lie. It's because it's of like, people like you oh, honey. out and out bullying them for height-related <laughs> issues that my daughter, who's 12 years old, and your goddaughter no less, is believing that she's not enough. So how's that? How's that for creating safe spaces Pastor Katie. No, just let me run that back. I don't care. It's fine. She's fine. You're fine. Everything's fine. Amazing. I still will flex every time I go to your house and wear the highest heels that I own. (laughs) Go for it. Try and climb our stairs. See how that goes. How's it? (laughs) (laughs) Mike and Jen have this incredibly steep staircase with incredibly narrow stairs. It's just the most hazardous thing. And there has been not one but two occasions where my son has graffitied the entire wall. And you go, oh, kids, ha, ha, ha. No, it was literally like a Gorman design all the way down. It was was a a mural mural of graffiti up and down the wall, both times by Samuel. The second time, I don't know how he found the texts because I really went out of my way to hide them, but he just found them. He's a smart kid. Um, but it's a bit rich you calling my place unsafe. How how your reno's going? Hawks my yet? house is because we're <laughs> renovating our house. If you want a surefire way to be broke while living with your mother-in-law, go on. All at the same time, <laughs> you need to do a renovation that in your head you go, I can justify this financially uh, and ethically, and this is going to be fine. I'm sorry, a window costs. How much money? You know what? In the grand scheme of all the monies. Leave it open. Just leave it open. <laughs> leave like, the gap there. They're literally like, uh, you know, I'm like, what's the cost differential? And they're like, $1,000. And I'm like, nah, don't worry about it. Sometimes when God closes a door, he won't let you afford a window. Am I right? And that's why we're in ministry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But tell us what happened with the trader who fell down. Oh, my gosh. I went there the other day and there was a tradie hanging upside down off a ladder and he's literally there and the whole back of his right calf is completely shredded. It's bleeding all up down into his little stubby shorts. And there's two guys from the build supporting his shoulders. And I just walk in there and I'm like, I bet this is going to mean a lot of paperwork for someone, right? And I was like, please don't sue me. And he goes, oh, no, I think I'll be right. And I'm like, oh, I don't think you will. Yeah, sometimes don't you wish people who went to church were like tradies? Mm. Oh, I think I'll be right. 
You'd be all right. Don't need to bother you with this one. No, it's been feeling better lately. I don't need to go to the psychologist. Um, <laughs> fight a dollar. <laughs> nah, well, here's the thing. All, okay. view, all views are our own. Are they not, Mike Ward? They are not endorsed by our churches necessarily. Or neither by Jesus. But we won't know that until it, we've asked for forgiveness. So it's fine. Um what was wow, I going to say? Um, poor line take. The whole yes. thing with like when when you're telling Christians that you're spending just a whack of cash on this gigantic Renault, mm. you immediately find 47 ways to justify the expense. It's like, yeah. oh, you know, just because we really want to be able to host connect groups and make sure it's a really wonderful space for our children to have their friends and youth events. And if somebody needs a home, then mm-hmm. they can come and live with us. Mm-hmm. No one's going to be living with me. Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. Except for maybe our intrepid backup producer, Sean, who's in the room Sian. with us today. Today, Cyan, Cyan, um, Collard, genius, musician to the stars, Burke's wearer. Yes, I mean she's a young adult that didn't narrow it down very much, did it? I'm not like other girls. <laughs> <laughs> we'll um, get on to our conversation with Josh now. Josh Greenwood, Josh Ernesto Greenwood. Ernesto. Ernesto is the lead pastor of Influences Australia with his lovely wife Sean, the beautiful kids Jackson and Jordan, and uh, he does an amazing job. He is a culture shifter. He's an uplifter and an encourager, and he's somebody who really gets what it means means to not only lead change, but to lead change in one of the most diverse and passionate and um, growing churches in Australia. You're going to love this conversation. Listen in and enjoy. We are here in the Read the Room podcast in an undisclosed location that is definitely not a part-time crash with Joshua Ernest Greenwood, <laughs> lead pastor of Influences Australia, yep. Pocket Dynamo, married to Shana. This room love of your is life. Glamorous. This is glamour. I like it. This is glamour. There's, it's a part-time TV studio mm-hmm. over here. Two beautiful kids. Yep. Jack Jackson, and Jordan. Jordan. They're amazing. Both. They're both named crazy. after me, Michael. Of course they are. Yeah. Of course they are. Two Michaels right there. That's right. Jackson. Jordan. Jackson. Nine. Uh, the best, but nuts. Every when he was in his mum's womb. Yep. Every day I prayed for a naughty boy. Yeah. This is your fault. And God gave me one. And I both love it and hate it at the same time. Yep. What's great. the angriest you've ever been with him? Yes. Like, don't give me the Christian ah, version the of this. Like, have you ever wanted to pick him up? Is there a Jackson-shaped hole? Is there a Jackson yeah. hole okay. in your wall? John, I double bounced him on a trampoline and broke his leg. No, but that's not. Did you do that in rage? <laughs> Were you like, let me teach you a lesson, young buck? It was. What's the angriest? It was an accident. It was an accident. So he what's says. What's the angriest? What's the angriest? There's two, it's daily. But you do get mad? My gosh. So I can't help it. What's the things that you say? It's the Chilean blood in you. I it comes out Chilean. the fire. You were a mistake. <laughs> yep. You're gone. You're bringing yep. shame You're on gone. the family. Yep. You dishonor the family. Be more like your younger brother. Yeah. You just speak dishonor over his yep. life. You totally. S- you speak hopelessness and All a lack of future. I Every time he does something just over that middle line of not good enough, I yep. shave a part of his head. Yes. Because then I want other kids to be cruel to him. Yeah, and then he learns a lesson that Mate, that's exponential tough. shame. You just gotta life do what you gotta tough. do. That is exponential that's shame. It. But then I put all my love on my youngest son. Yes, and that I think hurts more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I'm preparing that's cold. for a tough, cruel cold cut. Well, that's great. What's your youngest? That's called? great. Jordan. Jordan. Here's the thing. I was listening before. They're both pastors, kids, Jackson so they're going to be fine. <laughs> they're going to be irrepressible, <laughs> confident to oh, the they, max. Yeah, My two sons, Nora and Charlie, both just had haircuts this week. Mm-hmm. And Charlie came in going, I want a green mohawk. We're like, 
Sure. Oh, so we gave him a green mohawk because it's the last week of school. We don't care. And then Noah came in and he said, I want a man bun. And his hair, he looked like Grug, like just sort of curly haired Grug. <laughs> the hair's going everywhere. It's sort of oh, a cousin it motif. Okay. And we ended up, we took him to the barber and the barber's like, no, no, I, I can do this. And so we just, he just shaved the sides of his head and then pulled his hair up. And Noah just looks, he looks like a badass. He looks amazing. I'm going to do that. With him a man bun. Yeah, yeah. So he's got a man bun and Charlie's got a mohawk. My husband got a man bun, but only to cover a bald spot. Is that the same thing? Don't say that on oh. camera. I love you, Love husband. you, babe. Do you know what? This is, we're going to continue to press on because you're here for a reason. Mm-hmm. Lead pastor of Influences Australia, yes. which is... A historically significant church in this state, in this country, uh, has done a lot of incredible ministry. You've done a lot of incredible mm. ministry. Bro, we're just glad to have you. Oh, I love this. I love this. It's fun. Let's go. Were Let's you go. part of Influences when it was the artist, artist formerly known as Paradise Community uh, Church? I was when I was a little kid. So a little nipper And then we were in different churches. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, That's interesting. So I was there. I at seven years old, I remember running to the front and getting saved. And then on the way back, I ran back, tripped, broke my head and sued the church. So we had to leave. Oh, that's fair enough. That second part's not But at least as long as you got paid, mate. As and long the as first got part's paid. not either. I'm not safe. <laughs> he's he's doing his best fight. He's exploring his options. That's yeah. right. He's got a little Kabbalah band works. on. Salvation's a really broad concept for him. So, so how long have we'll you been it. lead pastor? Um, Probably about seven and a half years. Been in the church about nine. And what did you tell me just before you came to Influences Church? I said, I don't think I'll go to Influences Church. Where did you come from? I was like, I don't know if I wanted to go there. To be honest, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it now. This is is a real conversation we had. We're not bantering. Hang on, but where were you coming from? Okay, I was, before then, I was at a church called Salt Church in Gawler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It used Mm -hmm. to be called Northside. With um, old mate. um, Uh, Paul Newsham? Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. So we, um, it was Ian Zerner when I started and then Pastor Paul took it on. I was doing youth, young adults, and youth alive. And then we loved it there. We just felt there was a change. It was one of those, we feel it, we don't want to do it. Um, and to be honest, the, the one thing in our mind was probably not going to influences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? But why? And I think there's, okay, Adelaide has the toll poppy syndrome. Uh, Australia has that. Adelaide, for a church, the size influences is in Adelaide is, is, is quite, you know, expansive there's not too many like it mm-hmm. so i think it's even greater of i'm not going to that i had lots of friends there respected the church love what the church did which is like not for me i'm not going there do you reckon that's there's a default like i'm not selling out in mm-hmm. that in no, that 100, way 100 100 like, and and i just had that thought before we went and without a doubt had both wise counsel and just a sense from god it was right yeah. and went there with this weird with thought i don't say this with any arrogance it was Going there, we had three different people that were praying, not knowing the scenario, going, God's taking you to a place where it's going to be good for you, but you're going to be good for it. And we're like, we feel God's saying here, how can that, like you can't go in and change a church like that or, mm-hmm. or have an impact in church like that. Um, but then we look back and you get in there and you realize, okay, maybe there's a reason we were there and God done some cool things over time and we love it. It just was we just never thought that's where we would be. And we actually thought we'd go for a time, learn, because what if we looked So you didn't go to take a role. You just went to be part no, of the I, congregation. I took on a role. You Look, did kind of went, role. let's do this for a few years. Okay. It really was. It what was, was a the role? Learning, uh, young adults. And sure. I was do, still doing youth alive. Yeah. So we're there to see. And then over, over a short period of time, there was change and we were in the position. And, and again, talk to Michael the way through this. 
we didn't want to step into that position. Yeah. You know, we weren't looking yeah. for it. We, we went to learn, grow, as maybe 32 at the time, yeah. you know, and it's a significant church. And I liked having hair that wasn't gray and I didn't want a bald patch with a man bun and uh, went, don't want to do this. Two ain't bad. But, you know, <laughs> I, can, I can nearly get a man bun now. <laughs> We're saying bald patch. Yeah. Um, but we took it on and, yeah. Here we are. So how do you, you talked a bit before about you, you don't just come in and change a church like influences, mm-hmm. but also now you are the lead pastor. You have to lead James. Oh, totally. So you've got a lead pastor. What's what's Pastor Ashley and Pastor Jane's title? Like, They're the senior pastors. They're se- global senior Global pastors. senior pastors. Yeah. Okay. Based out of Atlanta, based yes. in Georgia. Yep. So you've got someone else's church in effect that yep. you're caring for. I mean, you know, discla- biblical disclaimer, we are all leading Jesus' church. We know. But Josh is leading <laughs> in the in the second chair, just in case this makes its way to the Southern Baptists. We love you, but we know you need the disclaimer. You're sitting in, in that second chair, but also in a really large first chair. Like you're leading totally. a large staff team, yeah. large church. And your, your mandate is to bring change. So how do you bring change in a space like that? Just to add I to that, it. what was the brief that Pastor Jane and Ash, Ashley, always Andrew Ashley, mm-hmm. what was it that they gave you? Like, Don't stuff it up. Oi, how's yeah. that working out? Same oh, as from you to your kids. It's yeah. just exactly passing time. Um, and every yeah. time I did, zzz, shave the head. Do not dishonor yeah. the so <laughs> You bring shame on and the house. Posters, and posters of them all over the church. Yeah, fair they enough. They were the two requests. Just like yeah. giant propaganda posters. Yeah, I'm imagining Pastor Ashley like, as Marlon Brando and The Godfather. Like that, just in the chair, half hidden in shadow. A little moustache, just a little one. <laughs> Tell me, Joshua Ernesto. <laughs> Ernesto. Stop yes. bringing up the middle name. Ernesto. Joshua made Chilean. this decision this Oswa on the Ernesto day of my Guillaume. daughter's wedding. Mm. Gloria a Dios. Yeah. What was your question? I don't remember. How do you lead change? So you had oh, yeah. a mandate to bring change, but also you were trying to change okay. somebody else's baby. Mm-hmm. And you have to do that in a way that doesn't make you seem like a douche canoe. <laughs> How do you do such things? All right. Let's go two things. One, I wasn't left with an instruction to change. Okay. But... Again, we've been encouraged we would be able to help add and bring change. Um, I think it's a few things. One, you really you got to find every. I think every church is similar and also has a unique grace. And I think you got to find the unique graces that's on that church. And I think you learn marketing at uni. You learn your strength. You always strengthen your strengths. So if you can find out what's strong and strengthen the strengths, you're looking for where are the areas we can add and give flow. I also think in the last ten years the church has changed a lot. So I sometimes think it's not so much going, okay, what has to change in this church? It's how is the church changing? How is Australia changing? But then also, this is my thing. I think a lot of people look at a place like then Paradise, but influences six different size campuses across Adelaide and then plus Atlanta. Um, you go, people look at that and, and enamored by it and look at the size and then guess in some ways are intimidated by it. At the end of the day, if God's, positioned me there and leadership trust me there they've trusted me to be me so i've got to bring my flavor my style my priorities my gift my grace otherwise i'm robotically doing a job which was never what i was there to do Mm. i was there to honor what was there follow the grace and the heritage that's on the church read the times but be myself Mm. and if you look at the seasonal life we were in then we're 32 31 year olds with a one-year-old kid the next few years, right? Then this is our next few years. The next year, when we, the year we took on the role, I was both doing Youth Alive and the lead role. Heck. We had two miscarriages, oh. a heap of team lead. You're stepping into something. In that point, if you don't, 
all you've got is the love of God and love of people. Mm. So it actually, you actually stop trying to be impressive. You, you can't in those spaces. You've got to be raw. You've got to be real. You've got to look for things to laugh about and have joy. And I guess leading a church, you can only lead the church by leading the season you're in. So the season we're in reflected in the church. So I guess we were, there was difficulties, but we're people that just naturally go, well, what's working? What's good? How can we enjoy this? So I, one of the first things we try to do is just make the church laugh. That's the truth. We just went, how do we make this church laugh a lot? How do we create why family? They laughing? How, they're laughing all the way to But why weren't the they? Gates. Do you know what I mean? They, was it just we're all intense Christians doing good? Sometimes. Sponsoring children. Different. <laughs> Writing letters to our local MPs. Which is not a funny business. It's an important, but it's very funny. You don't but need it, to disclaim it that in this okay, podcast. We're good. We're good. Never There's lots sponsor of sponsor children. They <laughs> get a job. What? Oh, my God. What? Um, oh, okay. So, Just so you know, I have four sponsored children. How many t- do you have? <laughs> four and a half. How much do you tithe? <laughs> Ten bucks more. <laughs> I don't know where we go. So why weren't they? No, they're laughing. Yeah, but, but I you guess just you wanted know, to. You know when you go through, you go through. Tra- Here's a big thing. It is a huge thing for any church, never mind our church, to have the senior pastors move to America, mm. and and not and and everyone has a different Without opinion. Telling you. I blame Trump. And, <laughs> but uh, we we it, it's not because America's easy, and not because it's glamorous. It's, you go there and you realise how great Australia is, and I love Americans. But my gosh, Adelaide's. Why would you want to live anywhere else? Can only be from Shh, don't tell the board Eastern and States. elder. <laughs> they're coming. Board and elders going. This is what God's showing us, and it's so unusual. That the senior pastor doesn't. If they're going, send someone else. They go. That is a big transition for any church, and in some ways, you're adapting and growing, and and you're in you're in flux for a while mm. there. And I guess one of the things we quickly went to do when we stepped into the role was okay. This has to be family. This has to be people because in family, you trust each other. In family, you can transition anything. In family, you can get things wrong and it's going to be okay. So I guess while we're a large church, the key of any church, including a large church, and I think more so, you have to constantly fight for not doing church but being family. Mm. And we just had to keep bringing that back in because that's who we were, young family. Yeah. I've got a bunch of questions we can we can springboard off of that. But look, the, I'm really interested in the models of church we're looking at mm-hmm. going forward into the next 20, 30 years. Because cool. depending who you ask, there, there will be no church ever and we'll all be meeting on our phones, in our homes, uh, and the robots will Online is here to stay, you guys. <laughs> Don't make fun of Carrie. I love Carrie. <laughs> I love Carrie. But you're making fun of him. Don't. Stop it. I can do other American Stop actions. it. Who else can you do? Anyway. Mm. No. <laughs> She's going to get sued, and mm-hmm. I don't want to be responsible okay, for that or involved with that. But I do want to know about mm-hmm. the different models. Like you're you're in a mega church. Mm-hmm. Let, let's okay. call it what it is. In 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 at least in Australian parlance, yeah, sure. If not in American parlance, mm-hmm. but you're also planning a whole bunch of different churches yeah. of different sizes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claire, I find it unlikely that's ever going to be a mega church because yeah. it's Claire. Mm-hmm. So, what works and what doesn't? And how do you work it out? Let's let's start. Mm-hmm. That's a broad one. Let's start questions. with a simple one. Do you think the mega church model is going to work twenty years from now? Okay, what's the megachurch model? Ooh, let's say tush. let's go for a thousand people in one room at one point. Totally, but less and less. So here's can we give the answer. I don't think any church sets out, and if they do, they've missed it to be a megachurch. Yeah, we never went to be a megachurch. Feel there was. I actually feel God in 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 every city 
raises up different churches with different graces that will add and lead the city in different ways. Yeah, totally. Feel like you go back years. There was some reason upon a guy that lived in India and did missions in Papua New Guinea, led a church not in a leadership age, just doing church, and the thing exploded. And I look at this is what I think about mega church. I think it's it's a grace of God, and there's no doubt you've got to have good leadership, good systems, all that stuff. There's a grace of God for it to grow there. It is very difficult to keep it there. I think that's harder than growing it to that place is keeping it that place. Why? What is hard about keeping it? Because the more more people are more opinions, more needs, more things that's required, more programs that's needed, more distractions. Uh, if I'm going pastoral issues, oh uh, quirky God, what, people. Uh, can you imagine? Like my my staff is about fifty nine people, and it, it, that alone is. It's a small church, you know, yeah. and, and you and your different graces, and you don't want people to be robots. You want them to lead and dream and run, and then you go down to the connect group leaders that are leading connect groups of all different sizes, and how many connect groups that is going to require, and it's it, incredibly difficult. But we don't look to go. This is a mega church model. What we do is take what we think is the model of church, and depending on the size, the the ethnicity, the ages that's in that campus, that location, the amount of staff that's required, people that's required. We adjust what we do and add what we do. The systems are similar. It's just not every system's required for Claire as it is for Paradise. Every program that we have at Paradise isn't required for Claire. Culture overrides any of that. So you go to Claire and our key cultures are going to be the same in Claire mm. as they're going to be in Paradise. Yeah genuinely i mean this you could walk into any of our campuses and it will have the same feel similar language every pastor every doesn't matter what if i'm preaching at paradise or preaching in claire i'm going to stand on the door and hug people when they walk in we're going to tell people if you you're want a to covid marshall's nightmare josh nah, we i'd preached a message two months in on lifted hands clapping hands worshiping hands embracing hands and giving hands laying on of hands because i was sick of it just the, anyway, that's my PR. I think there comes a point where you just Shana, we're praying for you. We're thinking of you in uh, this time. Anyway, but, but this is who we are. Um, I think some of the stuff that we run as a church may not be as necessary, let's system-wise, behind the scenes at Clare, but it still works. I think the, the mega church model is not what we are. We're a campus model, and just one of them happens to be a fair bit larger. So they range from, you know from thousands on a Sunday to 500 on a Sunday, all the way down to Claire's about 140 on Sunday. The amazing thing is, and this is how we see it, Claire for 140 people in Claire to be gathering is proportionally way bigger than what's the mega church. Mm. So really is the importance how many people's there on Sunday or the impact we're having on the local community. Come on. Mm. And, and I guess yeah. when, we, when you're in it, you don't really look at yourself in that way. Because to be honest, preaching to thousands you get used to that as you do preaching to hundreds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And eventually it's, okay, how are we going to make sure every person gets cared for? So yes. come back to the question. Sorry for talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this going well so far? It's going great. On? Having fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep All right, so the, uh, the mega church is not a model. I think what we are as a church is we're a campus model of local churches that are connected relationally that are there to impact the local community. And I love the relationship and the assistance that the campus model brings to the local leader so they can care more for the church than doing everything. I think that having a hub helps that. I think that God will always grow some churches that are there to help the city and are there to be a flagship when it comes mm. to size and impact. Um, however, 
I don't think it's a model we go for. I think it's just something that's graced upon our church and some churches. And for the record, Tim Keller agrees with you, if that makes yep. you feel better. Yeah, Where are we going? he reckons he's, he's got his opinions about church models, but he thinks there'll always be one or two mega churches mm-hmm. in every city. Mm-hmm. The, so on that, though, when we're talking about care and we're talking about discipleship, the nuts and bolts stuff, cool. what's, what's scalable from uh, Paradise to Clare? Like what works to go, we are going to disciple? Because obviously the danger, and, and you know, it was a big critique of the church growth movement is that you turn, create consumer Christians yeah, who are number <laughs> 1,000 of 1,000. They just rock in at 10 past 10 on a Sunday mm-hmm. and they leave at 1045. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, on that one, just to decide. Go for the it. The bigger the crowd, the greater the percentage of consumers. Sure. And it is the eternal frustration. Again, not just anyone listening, some young guys could start a church and all they're doing is dreaming of being a paradise or a planet shakers. Yeah. Can I say, yeah, there's nothing more beautiful than leading a lot of people. As I say, nothing more frustrating than leading so many people that just want to come in church, sit down and walk out. Yeah. yeah. And when people go, I just came to hide, I get there is that for a season. Some people have been hurt. Some people are just journeying back and that's required. However, you want them to have an activating, participating, yeah. helping one another yeah. church life. Yeah. And I would find... Mm. The consumerism happens less in Clare than it does in Paradise. Yeah. And yeah, we right. don't teach that consumerism, but the size of the crowd, it, it's enabled. To purchase some of Pastor Josh's teachings on how not to be <laughs> consumerist, just go to his personal website, <laughs> joshuaernestgreenwood.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So do you think that, um, would you say that that metric has um, shifted? Um, in influences um, in the sense that it used to be about the number of butts on seats in a room but you're using language like the impact we're having on a community Mm -hmm. because we're all for you because it would be easy for a church a small church in a small regional community to feel like a failure because Mm -hmm. they've got 80 people rolling in on a Sunday Mm -hmm. but as you say percentage wise of the local community it's actually massive Mm -hmm. and amount of impact relationship yada yada would you say that metric has shifted yeah no I would say it was, all, if I can, and I'm assuming you, always the heart of our church, but there used to be one. So we, the language in the church was always touching the community, helping those that are disenfranchised, struggling, hurting, reaching the lost to find Jesus. I definitely think having not been a paradise, there is a perception it's about bums on seats. When you're in there, you realize mm-hmm. it's completely the opposite. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's the lowest of the metrics we measure to read fruit and was from the day we got in there however what we have done the last few years is we've planted campuses where the number of people that are attending is not the number one metric it's where do we feel there's not a life-giving church or where is the holy spirit leading us to be able to go and be part of that community lead people to jesus disciple people bring change so in the city the south Clear Mount Barker, there are no life-giving churches. No that, life-giving churches. That's the that's the influencers mantra. Is that what that's I'm hearing what from you? Exactly. Or is that just your personal Prospect mantra? Road, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we look, right? Oh, influencers no, prospect. Awesome. Come on, bring it. <laughs> no, there's not. Bring it. Let's go. Um, but can I say what's scalable? Yeah. Uh, okay. We we believe if you want to be okay, what's scalable from a from a leadership point of view? Then let's go to the congregation is that we're there to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Right. So therefore, care in any of our campuses from, the reality is my campus pastor in Clare could care for his 160, 170 people that come to that church. But connect groups and or small groups or whatever we call them, life groups, 
are the answer from paradise to Claire because yeah. we want to empower people to care yeah. for one yeah. another. Yeah. Uh, the ability for him to know everyone's name versus me knowing everyone's name paradise, is that's not scalable. Mm. Mm. But that's not the model of how we do care. Uh, however, he would stand on a door like I would stand on a door. He would go and see, he would love these leaders like we would love our leaders. He would stop for any person that wants for a conversation, as I would or any other campus pastor would stop. I think uh, whatever, whatever campus is in, we believe in raising leaders. We believe leaders are not just leaders in the church, but the leaders in their business, their community, their school, their university. So again, what we're... What we feel we're called to do is disciple people to become leaders in their world. And we believe that's manifest in the church too. Mm. We don't yeah. think it's mm. exclusive one or the other. It's both. So that happens no matter what campus we're in. Mm. Um, yeah. I guess our internal systems are the same. Otherwise, you have anarchy in, the, in trying to work mm. out how do you do finances? How do you do HR? How do you right. do yeah. all those things? Um, we... So as a church, will, for example, comes to worship, okay, everyone's rehearsals will run differently because they've got a different number of people and a different ability to meet the needs compared to Paradise, again, to Claire. Um, but we would have one large, say, song list we're choosing from. But every local campus is finding, this is a song that really works in Mount Barker. This one works differently in Claire. This yeah. works at Paradise. Yeah. And a lot of that comes to, okay, where's the campus pastor preaching? What are they, what's the theme God's giving them? We allow... Uh, we really believe in raising great preaching, leading campus pastors. Right. So they're not taking it's my sermon. a little sermon. more decentralized than some of Absolutely. the other campus models, you see. Yeah. So there are seasons where we'll, next year we know our theme. Our theme is simplify for next year, right? Mm. Love God, love people. Let's bring it back to that and go from there. There are th In the year, I might go, okay, this season we're going to talk on faith, but then I'll leave it for them to interpret that. There are other seasons where since what God's doing in your church, your people, your community, and teach into that. Mm. So... That is, that is both unified and autonomous in some ways because yeah. every location and every church experiences different things. And I want our guys to be able to go look across the year and think, we need to teach these things. Also, what's the Holy Spirit putting on my heart right. to share right now? Right. And we actually can do both and. So yeah. we've got models that fit for all at the same time. I want to raise, this is what I think is great about the campus model. Guys that could be senior pastors and I love individual churches that don't have campuses i think they're both right i don't think there's right and wrong these yeah, guys that are yeah, leading yeah. our campuses could be senior pastors but they can also be senior campuses in a campus model have relationship and they're not waking up in the morning thinking about every burden that when you're if i can by yourself you are carrying there are people that from a hub point of view are answering those things before they've got to think through them from child protection to covid marshals to covid plans to how are we going to what sound systems do we use to everything yeah. from there? We want to release them. We want them to be responsible for the decision making, but not have to do all the work in the background so they can yeah. spend more time preaching the word, ministering to people, leading leaders. That's great. So specialization yeah. is obviously really helpful there. Like, go, you mentioned about the platform before, bro. And I'm going to give you a chance here to go full dear young leader on us. Mm -hmm. um, the classic thing that happens is the bigger the platform, the bigger people's eyes get, right? Mm -hmm. The bigger people are like, oh, yeah, I reckon, A, I could do a better job than Pastor Josh. Mm -hmm. or, or just B, put me up they there. Can. Put me in there, coach. Put me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they can. That's not why we brought you here, though. Um, you know, the people just want to be put in there. They see the platform. Uh -huh. They get a bit excited. Uh -huh. What's your advice to young leaders and how to manage that? Because, yeah. look, it doesn't last. We, we're talking about how to build something you're gifted and graced for, right? What do you, how do you manage that as you're teaching young leaders? 
How do you how do you okay. identify and then speak against that ego? And steward that ambition in a way that doesn't crush their spirit. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. it's part of that raw, beautiful, not mm-hmm. yet fully formed. Like you want them to aspire to totally influence. But anyway, it's both. You're, yeah, I think the platform we both have to honor the opportunities to speak in front of God's people and bring the word. At the same time, we've got to stop people being enamored by it. Mm. And it's both. Now, this is why as a church, we really do believe in... How do you kill that in you before we get to the church stuff? Okay, you're, I've mentioned it before, but I don't want to say this because I'm saying I stand on doors and hear people's stories. So when you stand there and you're looking out and you're going, that person's going through a divorce. That person just lost a loved one. That person's business is going under. That person's on top of the world right now. They just got engaged in their loving life. That, that person has come from overseas and struggles to understand what I'm saying on the stage, yet sits there listening every week. All, you know, like all of that makes you sit up there and go, it's not about me. <laughs> In Chilean, please. <laughs> it changes it, right? Like, yeah. um, I don't know. I, I, I'm fully aware God gives it and God can take it in a second. Yeah. Fully aware there was someone else standing on that platform 10 years ago that's not right now, and I am. I didn't build it. Uh, I'm fortunate to stand on it. And I genuinely think the best thing I get to do is I get to go to campuses of all different sizes and you learn you can't bring you anything less on that stage. The Paradise stage, you physically need to be bigger. You have to create waves of preaching a little bit more because again, you've got mm-hmm. the whole, a much wider gamut of people that's in the yeah. room. Yeah. But you, you don't value that moment or put less in, I don't put a moment's less prayer for Mount Barker or Clare than I do for Paradise or our city campus. The process is the same. The method's the same. The thought's the same. Um, so I think for young guys, one of the things we do a lot is, again, we create programs. We've got youth programs, young adult programs, connect groups, and realising that walking in your grace is going to be experienced a lot more on there than it is, say, on a larger platform. The great thing with campuses is as guys are developing their gift, they get to preach in different campuses. And what we really quickly work out is do they want the opportunity to teach the word of God and relate and connect with people, what do they want to preach on a big stage? Because the campus pastors are pretty quick to go, that person preached and walked out five minutes later and didn't stop and talk to anyone. Mm. And you realize, oh, okay, well, that opportunity's not coming anytime soon. You so, know, there's, you know a, there's a whole like stereotypical Penty youth pastor joke that me and Cal, <laughs> Katie's husband, have gone on for years mm-hmm. where it'd be like, you come up and you're like, hey, Jason, how you going, bro? And you're just never making eye contact. You're like, hey, so good to see you. You're always looking over the shoulder. Bro, love what you're doing in this place. All right, just got ahead. I'll catch you next time. Okay. You never make the, you never call them by their real name. Never so, make eye contact. Always totally, looking for the next opportunity. Totally right. That's a question. Let's, I learned that from you. you let's know, keep like, this no, 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 no. You got exactly. In Australia, do you think that works in any stage, any church, any people group? I don't think it works with anyone. So the whether it be Baptist, Pentecostal, uniting, whether it be a large church, medium-sized church, smaller church, yeah. people are people and can smell fake. Yeah, and I think we're talking about the Australian church, not the American church. I think the Australian church honors and follows real. And I think our congregation say, every we try to we try to let our church know we love you. We just can't. I can't answer every question for every person. I can't remember every person's name. I can't go and visit every person's home. Yeah. However, they know I. They do know I love them because they yeah. can smell if we're real or if we're not. They, yeah. can, they can tell if we're genuine, if we've got time to be willing to stop and look them in the eyes. I know we're joking, but uh, to be able to talk to them. But they know also 
the church is filled with pastors that are so beautiful and wonderful that do know their names and yeah. connect group leaders that know their kids' names and their family. And, and if they can understand, it's, it's, it's actually the only way to be able to do this in what we have. However, go to Claire. This is a chance Simon, my campus pastor, does know everyone's name. Yeah. And I think yeah. people are realistic with it. Sometimes there are reminders. We had one the other day. Because again, sometimes the, the, the kinder you are, the more someone goes, I want to be best friends with you. Mm. And then when it doesn't happen, hurt can happen so much easier. And it is that constant, we love you, but we can't do life with every person. You know, I've got two boys. that They're my first church. You know, if I'm not good for those boys and my wife, how do I do that for thousands of people? I just yeah, can't. Yeah. And it's not wearing other people's pressures. However, it is creating in a church a moment where we honor the moment when it comes to preaching, worship, and the word. But we don't honor that more than we do the moment in the car park, the foyer, yeah. during the week when someone comes in, stopping that, looking at them, knowing them, yeah. all that sort of thing. Yeah. I just don't think it works in 2020 in Australia. Uh, definitely. Anything else? Yeah. What, um, what, I've got a few questions. Mm-hmm. It's real quick fire, so don't think about too much. What makes you angry at the moment in Christian culture in Australia? Like, What, what do you get righteously angry about that you want to speak to and change? People don't make decisions for themselves. They blame everything else. I think COVID happens. I think the world has difficult times and everyone wants to blame the pastor, the, the, the government, the job, the season, my emotions, my feelings and whatever. And at the end of the day, those feelings are real. The Bible says to guard our heart, you know, and we're not to be led by our feelings. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think people are, have a, a, a weakening understanding of the word of God and I think they can quote scripture. They look at an Instagram post where someone says something that might be a scripture or it might be a statement. They take it on, they repeat it, but it hasn't gone in them. So when it comes to the heat, the difficult times, they blame everything else except for going, you know what, I need help. I need someone to walk with me. I'm going to go to my foundations. I'm going to go to relationships. I'm going to go to Jesus. I'm going to go to church. And I think in times like we're in right now, if the gathering is not in your top four, well, it's, you might make church this month. Oof. I think if your devotional life was not in place before COVID happened, mm-hmm. it's actually you're, you're going to make decisions based on everything else. Mm. And I think one of the biggest things I get frustrated with, although we're here to help, is that people people would rather point the finger and say, you didn't help me or you didn't provide the answer this or church isn't whatever. Feeding me. That's yeah, right, this church right. is not feeding me. When that was never the picture for the church, yeah. we were called to have an intimate personal walk with Jesus, walk with others. Uh, yeah. And I just feel like mm. that gets me. At the moment, that's what the church in general is going to be facing. What do you think drives that entitlement? <laughs> the world we live in. I think everything's, we ought to teach it. Everything's instant, everything's accessible, everything is affordable to some degree. Uh, We live comparing what everyone else has and thinking it's my right. We don't want to go on the journey. We don't want to learn. We want a 30 second or a one sentence snapshot that gives me all the answers we want. And and nothing in scripture is, look, there is miracles. I believe in miracles today. But we look at the Bible, it's, it's, it's slow, it's the earth, it's mm. seed, it's watering, it's growing, it's, it's time. It's yeah. Je- look at Jesus. Yeah. He spent three years walking with his disciples. He spent three years growing in his understanding of, mm. of, of, of Scripture and relationships and, and the world he lived in. And, and, and the church, although in its beautiful moment in Acts chapter 2, then over such long times grew, developed, adapted, yeah, yeah. and we want everything right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, does Shana have, uh, is she on staff? Yeah, and four so, days a week. So, and, and Co, like what's her 
She's lead pastor. Lead pastor too. Great. Yeah. How how long has that been in place? Is that from the get go? No, no. When she came babies. on, uh, Shans is a, a she's a qualified naturopath, mm -hmm. medial massage therapist. Oh, started her own business and pastor's kid. Um, and we did ministry. It's always us together doing ministry. Yeah. However, she wasn't looking to come on staff. It wasn't. Hey, Josh comes on. You come on staff. Yeah. Because it's not buy one get two free. You've got young kids, or that you know. Um, over time, she felt she would do a couple of days. The thing about Shans is I think Shans makes, especially a church like ours, that can when you walk in, it feels big, it feels mechanical. If you if you don't, yeah. if you just look from the from afar, she brings warmth and relationship and joy. She does yeah. know people. She's amazing when it comes to knowing people's stories and names. She really, we brought her on to be honest for a couple of days ago. You ought to get around this church and make it friendly, yeah. from the doors to the seating to the way you walk out to connect all that. Over time. She's, she's on staff to walk in the grace that's on her life. So yeah. she focuses a lot on our pastoral care of our staff. Nice. Um, she leads our, our women's ministry. She teaches. She's like in our campus pastors, myself yeah. leading them. Cool. Um, yeah. So what's the biggest pressure? What's been the hardest thing on your marriage in leading a church like Influencers in Australia? What comes home? What's for us to talk about and deal with? What's just for me because it's my grace? Um, Shans would love to probably know everything, but doesn't really want to know everything and doesn't need to. Uh, there's burdens that are mine to carry, not hers to carry. And there's some that are ours to talk about and work and through for her wisdom. Is there sometimes conflict in that space to figuring out those Early days lines. there was. Yeah. Um, her, I think the amazing thing she brings, but this is where I've got to always be better. And I think I'm better now than I was before, but he's flicking it off before I walk in the house. Yeah. Uh, I'll, 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 my whole drive home, I used to be on the phone driving home, my whole drive home is always flicking off the day mm. to walk into the home, be good for my boys. Putting How the phone down. How long is that commute? About 15 minutes. Where do you live? Uh, Mulberry Heights, around the corner. Nice. So yeah, uh, being good for my boys when I come in. Yeah. Um, the, the tension of, and I think we're defi I think I think you can't, lead in a big church, like any church, but with the amount of complexities if you can't make some good, have some good disciplines that can take over and your kids will be affected and your home will be affected and you'll lose your joy and, and we've had to fight for that because so, I've got that wrong. So when I was younger and I was, we, were like, we would crew with um, mm -hmm. the Paradise guys as mm -hmm. was then and it was grind culture from what we could see. It was yeah. like push every other week, you were out doing something, you were calling kids. There was just literally no part of your life yeah. that was ever like off limits. Now I that was partly people. stage and season because we were all young at uni. Totally. You've got the most discretionary time, all that sort of like going to bed at 3.30 for six weeks in a row is just not ideal. Yeah. Um, but it was different like and I remember like coming from our culture I was just kind of like wow that's a lot are you okay mm -hmm. and they were just like what do you mean what do you mean like if I want to be on team then I have to do this I have to do this I have to do this blah, blah, blah. and like <laughs> we're all about the stretch and we're all about um you know the sacrifice and we're all about making sure that we're you know putting in place but when you're leading such a massive organization and you're carrying the weight of the heritage mm -hmm. and what that like church means for our city and for our state and for our nation like you know that's hard to do so yeah. how do you kind of go no i'm not gonna you don't get a piece of me after this time or totally. whatever without somebody from the acc going bro are you even committed to this <laughs> okay but louder <laughs> bro are you even committed to this <laughs> i just want us to cut ourselves until we blue young people let me tell you something in this place <laughs> in this <Yeah>. place <laughs> you know what young person okay all right okay i'll give you a few, a few one 
I reckon that why didn't I want to go to paradise? Because that was my perception. Mm. And I talked to, when me and Pastor Ashley and I and Pastor Jane and Sharon sat down and they were talking to us about the possibility of a coming, that was our first question. Why do people burn out? Mm. Why do leaders have this perspective? And they said, because people have no ability to say no for their own life. Mm. And we went, so we've got, we have permission to say no where our no is and yes where our yes is. And they said, that's all we ask. We expect you to be a leader. And, um, have you found that to be true as you've tested 100, it? Over and over and over again. Great. First, let's go, he's in America. The first uh, few months of us starting in the role, Monday's my day off. Monday I get a call, a few weeks later Monday I call. I say, hey Pastor Ashley, just with the family, I'm a dad. And I'm gonna say, if you need to talk, I can talk, but it's my, he's like, Josh, it's Sunday here, I forget, uh, is your day off? Here's day off Thursday, we'll talk tomorrow. If I'm, he's like, I need to talk to you this time in the morning, because we're in different times of the world, so mm-hmm. we're talking early and late. You know what? I got to help. I got to do lunch. I'm doing lunches. Sean's needs me. It's one. Josh will just talk later. But also the right to go. Hey, this is actually an important one. I need you in this moment. I feel. Like but when it. there's that give and take, mm. like there's nothing you won't do. It's just because that's it's just easy. it's part of just flow and rhythm. It's like so that's the same with Steph and Andy. Like they it's have love. been so right. diligent. Yes, love in action. Yeah, that's it. like it's like with stages. Like because when your mum, like you're lucky, mm-hmm. you over here with your boyness. But like when it's mum, it's different, you mm-hmm. know. But and so I had senior pastors who were so great at just sort of saying, you know, your kids just need more of mum mm-hmm. when they're this age, and so we're not going to stress you out on that. And because they gave me that, there was nothing I wouldn't mm-hmm. turn around and give to them because I knew they wouldn't ask. And that is right. right. So Sha- when look early days, there was a position that Sean's could have stepped into. And it was offered to Shans. Pastor Jane jumped in and said, you're not taking it. Your kids are young. I need you to be right now. What Josh is going to have to carry, you're going to have to bring the balance and make sure you fight for home balance. So then as we added, it became in increments. And Shans even now, Sunday, she, she works four days a week, Sunday morning and night. She's at church. We're there from 7.30 in the morning to late. It's just how it goes. But the reason she has that day is because anywhere in that week, if she has to flex and adjust, there's grace for it mm. and you have to be able to for me i just feel like to be honest i never because i never went looking for this i never aspired to it i never chased it and i never built it i don't feel i have to die to prove i can do it yeah. i don't feel i have to prove if i build it by we've had it last year, few years we've added three campuses the church has grown and it's gone through difficult times all of it at the end of the day if my personal life and personal responsibility is not stable then as church flexes through the tough times and the great times, I'm going to be up and down and my kids deserve better. And I feel like, I don't know, You could, genuinely I feel like if I wasn't doing this tomorrow, I'm okay. I'd be in church, I'd be serving God, I'd be loving people, I'd be leading. But I know I'm graced and called for it. So it may be a personality thing, it may just be learnt. I'm just not enamoured by it, but I love it. And I love the challenges. The more difficult it gets, I feel the grace comes upon me to find solutions and answers. Uh, I, uh, I enjoy it, but I also don't go looking for it. I'm totally aware. I look around my team. They are so different and talented and gifted, way more than me in so many areas. I don't even try to be who they are. I want to power them to be. And I think the problem comes when we try to be everything to everyone, mm. try to get everything today. We've unprepared, so I'm ultra prepared. Nothing's accidental. I'm, my weeks, my, my reports, my everything is so important to me because it actually allows me to flex. I think when people don't plan, don't prepare, don't look ahead, don't look at trends, don't look at seasons, they get caught off guard and now they're living a crazy life. My life has to be 
structured and ordered, it actually creates flexibility. I think people lose flexibility and that fluidity, fluidity with seasons when they're not ready for the normal. So I, I, I guess I've got that stuff in place so that I can go with my, I can adjust, I can change, I can, I don't know. I, I find my yes is yes and my no is no. I can only do what I can do. The church was here before me. The church will be here after me. I'm graced and say lucky but blessed to do this. Are we doing it if I if I'm not in this seat or not? Again, I think it helped not wanting to initially come to paradise. Yeah. And now I love yeah. it. I didn't want to do the lead pastor role. Now I love it. That's good. So uh, at the same time, I, I don't need it. If that kind of makes sense, I don't know. What's what's something you're seeing in uh, young leaders coming up? Give give us. One thing that you look at and you go, this generation is great because X and this generation struggles with Y. Okay, I think I'm going to go struggle and I think it connects to the blessing. They are so experiential. This is the most experiential generation Mm. that they... Which must be particularly tricky to manage in a ACC context, a a charismatic Pentecostal Mm -hmm. context. Absolutely. Where the experiential has always been front and center. Absolutely, right. And, And I actually think I love... I love it. I think God created us to experience. Oh yeah, everything He put in us was to experience, Heck taste, yeah. touch, feel. Uh, you know, so I love that. It doesn't but say read and see that the Lord is good. You know, <laughs> you know I read, I read. That, oh, here we um, go. Reading and seeing, so. <laughs> whatever. But like um, the ancient medieval cathedrals with the stained glass, right? They designed the stained glass to. You know how we have haze, right? Because it refracts mm-hmm. the light, softens the light, and makes it fill the room and softens it all that. The, um, they were designed initially to um, put coloured light onto the dust that would rise up as people walked in because it did exactly the same thing as a haze machine did. And so, so they, they wanted to reflect and they wanted to create this ethereal oh, kind wow. of that heavenly thing actually. using the dust from our feet refracted through the light from heaven. I mean, that, I think, that'll preach. Okay, oh my gosh, <laughs> it probably will in the next leadership. <laughs> Run that down. Totally. So this beautiful, this, it, but it also causes a problem. Because I was talking to my my teaching pastor today, Greg Johnson, great 65-year-old, knows the word, great theologian, and going, what's, we need to get back to understanding what's our role as ministers. Because what we can do is we can create experiences for kids, experiences for youth, experiences for young adults, and then go, but people turned out and we had a great night. Are we fulfilling what we're called to do as ministers? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes the, the beauty of relational personal ministry that we do today i think ministry has never been more real mm. i think it's never been more relational i think we've never been able to learn more from one another than we do today however do we know theologically philosophically what we are called to do uh, are we therefore teaching what the word how the word can be a foundation for our life how the holy spirit can be a god for our life are we creating a culture where we are helping people to become like Jesus and follow Jesus or are we creating experiences and I don't think young people look to create experiences but by nature they are because they are so experiential and uh, I think go back generations we were much more you know learned and we grew up reading the word and and so that was great and we added what I guess the the, the Pentecostal church has done so well, but then take anything in an extreme, which is our danger right now, without shaping and molding that, mm-hmm. and I think we're in trouble. So right now I can say, you asked me what's my number one concern for the next 10 years is yeah. we have no pillars in the church. We have no people with deep roots, deep foundations that are there to lead the church. <laughs> yeah. So right now we are, we're yeah, I, fighting I for stuff that. in our church 
that are that is going to hopefully safeguard us in 10 years mm. not even in the next year every documented revival in history started with sorry just, I love it. just in case with people returning to the word prayer and repentance those three things every single time Believe it's the basics repentance. interesting repentance it's like it's like yeah. prayer repentance and the word of god 100%. oh and small gatherings in homes that weren't seen it's the unseen and so they were praying for one two five you, ten twenty five years where we are. And, and i mean i mean we joke about that'll preach repentance doesn't preach well right now in yeah. this cultural moment i'm but putting together a ridicule i spoke on it last week well, I mean, you can make anything sound good. It's the croak in your voice. It's beautiful. But you know, <laughs> you know what Chilean. I mean? Is, I don't, is I don't that mean spicy? Is that paprika? No, no, no. I, mean, oh, I believe this is... I love that you said it, right? Because these are the very... And let me just get rid of something that sometimes people think. They see big church and I don't think we're having these discussions behind the scenes. They're constant. Yeah. We're not talking about crowds and like you're yelling at your team to repent. yelling at our <laughs> team to repent. <laughs> repent! <laughs> but... We don't talk on. We don't like to talk on repentance. Yeah. And we and we have yeah, to. And we've got to give a right understanding of, of what it is. And, and I think. Yeah. We need it more now than ever. Because yeah. You go, please. No, I'm so sorry. Only because I'm fired up about this, this at the minute. Because yeah. like we talk to our, some of our young guys, mm-hmm. and it's like they kind of repent. They're down the front every Sunday on their knees. Sorry, Jesus, etc. Amazing. I love that one. Encourage that. But the reality is, is that the next Sunday they're down the front doing the same thing, and we're having this conversation, mm-hmm. and we're going, bro. Like there's a difference between totally. repentance and changing direction. Right. I was like, repentance is a complete 180, but you've just altered your course slightly. Right. Perhaps one or two degrees away from that person. That's something, but you have you're still too far to the cliff. There's no margin yeah. there because you haven't actually yeah. walked in the other direction. Yeah. You're still, sti- you know what I mean? So it's like walk that way. And so, and it's that's the difference. So when we come to our interns and our young guys, I'm like, uh-huh. you need like we're doing this series. Um, I'm putting together a series. Sorry, slow about me for next year. Where <laughs> to read that. more about um, Pastor Katie's series, <laughs> to her website called Dirty Words. <laughs> Repentance is one of those dirty wow. words. Yeah. Purity, wow. one of those dirty yes. words. Sanctification, wow. like we, you know, like yeah. Anyway, but it's just all those sorts of things because they don't have a right theology uh-huh. of repentance. Mm. You know, we just want God to make us it's feel better when we do dumbass that's stuff, right. and it's just like, well, bro, I can't help you. And honestly, like you know. Um, I don't know whether this matters, but my, my church being planted a little closer to the city than yours, mm-hmm. I feel like we get a bit more of that city vibe. Mm-hmm. I, I think even that come down the front and repent part mm. is even more of a struggle. Uh-huh. Let, totally. let alone then getting the beliefs to drive that behavior. Yeah, totally. That's what I was reading something about today, about uh, the way uh, beliefs should drive our behavior, not behavior yeah. drive our beliefs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work if we yeah. do it that way. So that repentance thing, and then going back and doing it again and again and again, we know we can do that by God's grace. Yeah. You know, we have that forgiveness capacity to do it. But we've actually got to be changing the beliefs. And that goes back to what you were saying before, Josh, about totally. getting in and going, what, what, what's the theological and philosophical mm-hmm. understanding of who we are as followers of Jesus, 100%. why we gather as the church, what we're called to 100%. do and be. So you go Matthew 6. And Jesus teaches us how to pray. And what does he say first? He says, get alone, shut the door, and meet your father in that secret place, that pro- in private, right? So we, we often think repentance is, okay, come down the front, get on your knees. However, we, I don't think people struggle to repent for the, for the obvious things. Uh, I watched that Netflix show too long. Uh, I got angry. I swore today. I actually think we, we don't even know how much the world has filtered our thinking to be like the world and not like kingdom. Give us an example. And, well, we're, we're so selfish. We, we, we instinctively, uh, we don't see ourselves in the way God sees ourselves. I think we have these wrong beliefs 
that when we go in private, I think why he's so, Jesus is so kind that he says, shut the door because it's there in private. He can reveal to us things we don't even see about ourselves. Mm. And it's there that we can get to a place of God. I don't even know why I think like I think or why I struggle with them or I struggle with me or I doubt that you're good. And it's there in that private place. It's there with just him and me that he, uh, a lot, he teaches us before how to pray, where to go, because I actually think repentance is actually going to God and going, I don't even know where I've got it wrong. I don't know where my mind has lost yeah. it. I don't yes. know the inner deep places. That's yeah. why David said, search me. Yeah. We have to ask That's the Holy good. Spirit to search us. Yeah. And there he reveals things yeah. in his kindness and grace yeah. what I don't see. I believe this. What you don't do in private does get revealed in public. And I mm. think by then, by the time we're having to in front of others repent, it's a sign we haven't done it in private because we, if we, while I love the altar call, I think we wouldn't need to go to the repentant altar calls if we were in private so, ones daily. So that's where I was going to go. Is, is it just performative? Is an altar call performative rather than necessary? Yes, yes and no. I think sometimes it is. However, I think the beauty of the gathering of church is it is a trigger for change. What happens on Sunday then walks out on Monday. So we, uh-huh. we come in and we say, God, you know what? I'm re- it's like it's it's like coming to front and saying I repent, but I think we've got to complete the message right. because our mm-hmm. end goal is not the altar; right. it's getting them to the altar so that they can go into that private What's place it? on Monday. It's the same with lifting hands in worship. It's yeah. a physical expression of a spiritual revelation, a spiritual reality uh-huh. happening. Here's another one for you. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about repentance in the secret place. Mm-hmm. James one five: Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. I repent to God. But one thing I wonder about: I want your thoughts on this. This culture of radical confession Mm -hmm. this place where we're permissioning culture in church where it is absolutely commonplace for me to not come with fear but to you know through the strength of connect groups and real relationships and and, you know out of that secret place going God doesn't ask me to confess my sin because he knows my sin but he asked me to repent of my sin (laughs) he asked me to confess my sin to my brother because that's where the healing comes in me actually having to own my shiz mm-hmm. and saying this is my reality and it's i need to give it expression yeah. so that yeah it's there it's that like that kid who goes to his youth leader and says i'm struggling with porn it's that pastor who goes mm-hmm. to his pastor friend well mm-hmm. actually i reckon the hesitation there is part of the problem right mm-hmm. in in that that's a whole pastor kettle of fish in that are we actually having building those relationships where we're confessing to one another uh, now that we get to the quote yeah. unquote top of the tree who do we confess to yeah. oh but I, you're getting into something and the reason we like you know i made that question about altar calls mm. we do altar calls but the reason we do in part is accountability is to have corporate accountability not only for you to the church to go hey you've all seen me in this so i guess i'd better do something about it and, and take it seriously but the church back to you mm-hmm. like you know we confess our sins not just so that we can cathartically get it off our chest right but so that the church can go i'm with you in this and i will back you in this and i'm holding you to this because i love you when you get married and they ask the congregation to stand and make a promise to you it's my favorite part you guys are gonna totally rail this Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you don't have 350 people shouts to to producer james getting married this weekend we miss you boo Nori's not here because he's having a haircut or something ridiculous for his wedding. <laughs> he's having a wedding rehearsal. Do you know he told me you found a scorpion in his bed today? Really? An actual scorpion. What? And he told Sammy about it. It's my youngest kid's birthday today. Turned five. He got a robotic happy scorpion. Happy birthday, so Sammy. Cool. Um, you what? I said happy birthday, Sammy. Happy birthday, Sammy. The I light of my life. My little youngest baby. Um, yeah. get him so a, set, a set of whiteboard markers for his birthday. I got him one of those rugby helmets that stops you getting concussion. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's for another podcast. Keep going. He doesn't even play rugby. But it's just that thing of um, I've just forgotten what we're talking about. Uh, One yeah, another. accountability, forgiveness, James. Corp- James. No, after that. Scorpions in Norris Scorpions Bed. Scorpions in Norris Bed. Yeah, no, I've lost it. Whatever we were talking about. Amen. Oh, go. So I, I, I do, I do think that's the, the pivotal next step. Permissioning that culture yeah. of radical confession. So I lived in this random community in Manchester in the UK for a while, and these guys were everybody radical. playing bingo they at home. They pioneered the twenty four seven prayer movement. You know, the, all that stuff that went through the UK, uh, all that amazing. Kind of thing. And they were all like out of Mike Pilavachi, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and and so anytime you would sit down with any of them, they'd spend ten years creating this the most radical culture of essentially like YWAM openness and brokenness, but not lame. Like. Um, <laughs> No, like it's not lame, but it's just not like, you know, mm-hmm. Christians. It was just awesome. Anyway, and so you used to go to Connect and you sit down and the f- number one question you were going to get asked was, what's the one thing you don't want to tell us yeah. right now? Like, Critical. Just, just jump off. Like, that was it. Yeah. And I came from Australia where it's like, you know, we we tough it out. That's yeah. my business. Oh, yeah. no, it's a private matter, you know. And I'm um, yeah. just like, so what's the one thing you don't want to talk about? And I'm just like, you don't know. You're not my real dad. <laughs> like <laughs> The irony of the Brits calling out reality out of Aussies. I know. Man, <laughs> that must have hurt. Um, yeah, but it was so such a freeing thing because it taught yeah. me not to be afraid of my reality because my reality was only going to be better when it was out in the open, yes. getting cured in the sun and I covered guess. with the love and just. I pre- and I just think we're so afraid of it in Australia. But I think it was. This is my thought. It will swing, because again, look at the Instagram world we live in. We always present our best side. Do you? It's gone always. Can you do a no makeup selfie this week, Josh? You get one. Absolutely, you get tagged. Appreciate I don't. It. I don't want a no makeup selfie. I want a hey guys. So a lot of you've been asking about my workout routine <laughs> and skincare routine. <laughs> my shoe care routine. Um, I think because this world has gone to the extreme that way. Yeah, it has to bounce. Everything always does. Yeah. And people, I just think it may be a few years, but people will get so sick of it. I think the ability to then walk people to be raw and real and then doing it with wisdom. Yeah. And I just think, again, like everything goes in extreme, the danger of church in years gone by is someone makes it. We have many people that come to our church that mm. have been in other churches and they made a mistake and they stood them up publicly and told the whole church. Yeah. And every, anything in extreme is dangerous. And yeah. I just think we have to go from presenting our very best self to having people we can trust and be real with. Yeah. And I think all those things you're saying, I do think that's where the church is going. I don't. I think there's going to be a lot more. Uh, I do think that there's going to be less and less mega churches, although I think they always raise up. But I think mm-hmm. communities that create communities where people can yeah. be real mm-hmm. is what's going to be valued more than the number of people yeah. that gather in one sitting. Yeah. Well, shout out to you, Wardrop, because since day dot and our day dot was when we were 13 years old. You have always, and Jen, have always asked that question that mm-hmm. nobody wants to ask. You were willing to make yourself unpopular to ask a question of people like, do you reckon that's wise? I How mean, are you I, spending I, your I, money? I think Is I this was good? making myself unpopular before then. But that, that's, <laughs> it was nice to have a justifiable like. Re- no, but Christian I'm just saying, like, right. you know, I, I tr- I, there's very few people in my world that I will trust to actually call me out on something, but you would be one of them and you would do it regardless of whether or not I'd get pissy with you. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. We have so. good, thanks, mate. We have good conversations. I mean, look. Wait, but, like, I appreciate it. Like, you pioneered it and you did it when all of our friends were getting up in your grill about it. And mm. 
Well, can I codify that a bit? Like that, you're, you're talking about stuff that we did, and and Jen, for the record, my wife is much better at that than I am, and and is relentless. I would just at like it. to sell you out on that though, because I remember all the purity and young people dating properly, but you guys leaving the Feathers Hotel to go make out in your car. Feathers. Saying that they said they were going to go and pray together, and they went out the back and made out in their car for a while. Porque estos, Jorge? Porque estos? But. Gloria a Dios. Dos empaneras, por favor. Why can't it be both? I just, the old El Paso kid was right. The, listen. I don't um, speak Chilean, bro. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. There's brokenness in that. The, look, in all, in all seriousness, my, my wife is, is really, really good at that and it has always been real. She can't help it. She comes from generations of pastors and really, really strong, bold women who have been pioneering. And and the two of us, you know, we, we kind of made that decision when we were pretty young to go, oh yeah, this is who we want to be. We want to we want to be raw and honest. We want to pursue Christ with everything. And I, I, I think as we planned an encounter a few years ago, or two and a half years ago, and that become, real becomes one of the core values, that comes from more than a decade of doing that. Like not to, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm just saying if you're a young leader and you're watching yeah. this, you need to do it now if you want to totally. be remotely near where like totally. we are all so broken in this room right so uh-huh. much stuff we wish we were doing better uh-huh. or so many ways we wish we were more like jesus but if you don't start now in your teens in your 20s even in your 30s yeah. it's compound interest right and if you don't that's what turns into a major major catastrophe that mm. we see over and over yeah. unfortunately from big platforms and it's devastating because it's when you think there's not room for your reality or that your reality will cost you mm-hmm. your ministry or you'll cost you a hundred percent the answer to that is yes it will if but you it don't. goes back to what josh said like if 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 my if ministry isn't the be all and end all in this mm-hmm. end of today mm-hmm. it's okay we're, and we've all made this mistake in staffing or whatever but gift and talent is not enough yeah and it only it encourages you so far yeah. And, and and that's where and I'm, again just today talking to someone about okay what's our plan for say our young guys and our pathway not just for getting them into ministry or activating them into their next step or the best in their life what's our three four five year journey with these guys to develop them grow them teach with them walk with them hold them accountable teach them to, to read learn grow more than getting them serving in a role because I think it's it's so easy to be able to go, oh, I can yeah. do that. I can attract a crowd. I'm good on the microphone. I can grow a big connect group. And that is a, those are great things, but it's not enough. It's yeah. not enough long-term. It's not enough to satisfy. What's, let's, let's just pivot back to the other half of the question mm-hmm. I asked you 45 minutes ago. What, <laughs> what's the, the best parts of this next generation that you see coming up? So one of the, you see the struggle being they're very experiential, rely on their experiences. What about um, one of the best parts? Oh, I, I just think they know how to live life. I, I think I, I, I look at our, our young guys and they 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 have they're so great at creating friendship groups, relationships, running together, um, going on adventures. I, I think I think that's a great thing. Mm. I think there's wisdom that needs to be partnered with that. But I love that they want to live life. I love that they don't want to settle for anything but real. They will, they can smell fake. They can tell when you've just gone into preaching mode or that when you're just saying things because this is what we say and they're gone. They're not interested. Mm. And I love that. They're, they're trying to, to that if, if, if they can't sharp, get hey. it. Oh, my gosh. You're constantly looking because there's you have a church like, say, Paradise, right? You've got some guys that's been there for 60, 70 years 
And you can dig into old wells and it just will. They just know how to go, oh, that sounds like church. We're excited. And then you look across to the young guys and they're like, why are we doing this again? Why are we saying that same thing again? And I think that's great. It keeps you thinking, if I don't understand what I'm talking about, don't talk about it. Admit I don't understand about it. Uh, Be able to stand in front of the church in the last few weeks and go, this has been hard, guys. This has been draining on me. But you know what? This is what I choose. And I think they sit there going, it has been hard for you. I want to know that. Yeah. I think they want real. And I love that. 100%. Can I just ask you a question? Mm. Uh, pastoring older generations, um, we're finding, um, certainly in our denomination, it's basically a bunch of declining older churches. And um, just really quickly, mm-hmm. how do you go engaging them, getting them not sort of tapping out or feeling like it doesn't oh. feel like church anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I wonder if you would have that slightly less in your culture, but... Oh my gosh, it's there. Do you get people raging at you about haze machines and volume? Of course, of course, mm. of course. We, I guess we will semi-regularly talk to the church about why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. And I think people, and given perspective, are quite graceful. Uh, I think when no one brings it up, talks to them, feels like they don't have a voice, then they get, they talk about it amongst themselves in their own mind. And when it comes out, it comes out with aggression. So we talk to them all the time going, you know, you guys are so mature, you can sing to any song. You've had your experience. You're not in the stage of life where you're flaky back and forth. Now, the reality is everyone is at times. <laughs> but these young guys need this because in the same way you had it and someone gave it to you, we're going to give it to them. Mm. We're going to be generational. And that means you've got a place. We recognize the grace and seasons on their life. Uh, we need to do it better because the reality is you, you're constantly looking young, that, you know, in, from worship and platform, but it's making sure there's a good balance there. I think just stopping and hearing them out matters so much. But I think at the same time, they know in my dress, in my language, in my style, I am trying to reach a group that are right now going to be less stable, that are right in that pivotal stage where if they don't make it through these next 10 years, they, they may walk away from God and church. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, if there's a group of people, but someone's closer to the cliff, edge cliff, I'm going I'm to get there and rescue them first. And that's where I've got to be. It doesn't mean that they don't matter. I just know they're secure. Having those conversations, the truth is our church is constantly going to lose mature people and they'll find a church that suits their season. And I've got to not be offended by that. I've got to do all I can to try. I want them in our church. At the going somewhere, I want them to be with me because we love them, right? Mm. But I've got to realize it's not against me. It's not personal. Even if sometimes the expression of that comes to me, it's not personal. It's their season. And that's just how it's going to go. And God brings people in. Well, speaking of your ripped jeans, our time is coming to a close. But I would just like to say that I once won. Look how much more anointing here. I once won a $1,000 bet because of your ripped jeans, Josh Greenwood. How was that? Many years ago when I just had my second son, I was at the Coffee Baron on whatever road it's on uh, with a dear friend. And there was one Josh Greenwood who I'd never seen before and never met before Mm -hmm. sitting at a table. You had your MacBook. It's all shiny and a little (laughs) sticker on it. It was so funny. You had your ripped jeans on. You had your Stan Smiths, you know, glasses, this and that. And I looked at you and I said to my friend, I was like, I'll give you a thousand bucks if that guy's not a pastor. And he goes, what makes you say that? And I'm like, shoes, ripped jeans, MacBook, discretionary time working at a cafe because he wants to get away from people coming into his office asking him dumb questions i was like so then i went up how dare they target i, us. I was By literally breastfeeding while i had this conversation i went up and i went i'm so sorry to bother you i was like but would you mind me asking what you did for a living and you went no and i bet you were gearing up for i'm gonna 
bring this woman to the Lord. Um, and he said, oh, I'm a pastor. And I literally was just like, yeah, $1,000. <laughs> I remember it. Yeah. And I didn't even know who you were. So how there funny. we go. No, no, how stereotypical. So there we go. And here we are. The Katie yeah. Isles experience. <laughs> Josh, thanks it. so much for your time today, man. No really appreciate your leadership, your passion and enthusiasm always, and just your courage mm-hmm. to, to take one of the churches that is so important here in culture setting and declaring the name of Jesus over the state. Yeah. And pushing it forward and continually championing people in the name of the Lord. So you guys thanks, brother. This is fun. Great for awesome. Bye. Bye. We hope you really enjoyed that conversation with Josh Greenwood from Influencers Church Australia. Hey, join us next week because we are going to drop a bomb. And that bomb is the most vulnerable, the most stunningly honest, confronting, yet beautiful story of brokenness and redemption. We had the great privilege of sitting down over a few hours with Mike Guglamucci, uh, who has had... Um, one of the most um, public, public, painful, painful, yeah. ridiculous. I'm trying to be honouring as yeah. I say this because that's yeah. not the whole story. But if you're a pastor or a leader of people and you are looking at the Ravi Zacharias, the Bill Hybels, the Carl Lentz, the on and on it goes and um, – wondering where you see yourself in that listen to this conversation because um it goes to some helpful places and some raw places that i think we all need to be cognizant of yeah it's a it's a powerful conversation i honestly one of the the favorite things i've done in the last few years is having that conversation yeah and all power and all respect to to googs oh yeah we we just really honor mike for his vulnerability in his time hey you're not going to want to miss that so jump onto the next pod and listen to that um in the meantime all the good things we'd love you to give us rate and review on your favorite podcast provider five star yelp or bust (laughs) we prefer the uh, podcast reviews that fold rather than clink five stars please and um that just helps us get the message out there. I watched Coming to America the other day. Amazing. Anyway, <laughs> helps us get the message out there and um, and, and just to, to get a bit more exposure because we're really hopeful that this is a blessing to the wider church. Follow us on uh, Insta at Read the Room Oz. That's O-Z on the end. And we cannot wait to catch up with you next time for our conversation with Mike Guglamucci. See you then.